We've been walking together as a church for the last three Sundays, talking about the presence of God and what that means for us. And it's something we've heard about our whole lives, probably if you grew up in church at all or if you know anything about the Bible. It's about the fact that God wants to be with us and has always yearned to be with us. When we celebrate Christmas, we're not just celebrating the arrival of the Christ child, the baby in the little manger 2,000 years ago. That's a, a huge part of what Christmas is. It's the incarnation, God becoming flesh. But it's not only that. Christmas is the story of how God has yearned from the very beginning of time, before the foundation of the earth we see in Ephesians. He's yearned from the very beginning to live and walk with his created people. We saw it in the garden. We see it all the way at the end of the Bible in Revelation 21 and 22. The whole point is for God to be with us in our presence. He wants that more than he wants anything else. He wants it so much so that even though we are sinners, that we have rebelled against him, that means we have been created to exemplify his goodness, his glory, his, 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 his right choices, all those things of what we've been created to do, and yet we have failed over and over again to live that out. And so because we have failed and we cannot ourselves be what we're meant to be, he sent his son to come to live the life we could not live and die the death we deserve so we could be brought back into that family of God. That is the Christmas story. And the Christmas story, as it hinges so much on God's presence, we need to understand what that means for us even now. We've been talking about it for three weeks, that it means God with us, that in the Christmas story we talk often about how when Jesus came, he said his, his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. And then we talked about what it means that once you become a believer in Christ, once you put your faith and hope in him, that it's no longer you who live, but Christ that lives in you, and the life you now live in the flesh. You live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself up for you. That we have died to ourselves and we have begun a new life that is greater than our past life because its focus is on the greatest one who is God himself. Its, its mission, our new mission, is to live out a life of making sure that he receives glory in all that we do and that we are to bring others to that understanding of who he is and what he's done for us in Jesus. That's God living in us. And then working through us as we seek to be those who take the good news about Jesus to others so they might be reconciled to him as well. And the reason we're talking about it at Christmas, it's for all time, but the reason we're talking about it at Christmas is because this is a time where we get to be with people who are already in some ways thinking about Jesus because it's Christmas. And we have an opportunity to not only talk about God a little bit, but to be the light of the gospel as we speak of the good news of Jesus. My hope is that when you leave here tonight and you go to be with family tonight and tomorrow, that you don't just spend your time just focusing on the traditions. Don't just spend your time just focusing on, on the family gathered together. All those things are good, but that your heart would be changed through the understanding of God's desire to be with us and that you would live differently around them than you have before in these gatherings. I'm going to look at some scripture for just a moment. We just heard from John 1. In John 1, we see the words here, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That means that Jesus... Before he became known, Jesus to us was fully God's son, all God. God is something we can't really understand here and now. It's beyond us because we are finite beings talking about an infinite creator. 
And so when we talk about God as one God with three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we don't really know what we're talking about when we talk about that. But what I can say is that the Son has always been in the presence of and in relationship with the Father and the Spirit. And He stepped out of that presence to come into the creation that He had created. That through Him, by Him, and for Him, everything's been created. And that He humbled Himself to the point of becoming one of us, even a little child, born into a harsh world, so that He could come to save us and bring us back into His family. That's what those first few verses are talking about. It says in verse 4, In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. We think we live this life, but until we meet Jesus, we don't realize that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. We don't recognize that spiritually we were deprived of real life. We've been breathing oxygen, but not living the life we were created to live in the fullness of joy we can have in Christ until you meet Him. And we know that's something missing in our lives until the very moment we meet Him and our eyes are open for the first time spiritually. Even though we walk the earth, we do not live out the life. We know something's not right something's missing and then when you meet God it changes everything for you we know that because in him is life true life that abides forever in him is life we see in verse 9 it says the true light this light of life this true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world this is the scene 2,000 years ago that we celebrate now he was in the world and the world was made through him yet the world did not know him we are so sinful in their hearts. I mean, sin means to miss the mark. We're missing the mark of what we're created to be and do. And we've missed it so much that we don't even recognize him when we see him. The world, we think if I just saw Jesus, it'd be a lot easier if he was here with me like it was then. No, it wasn't easy for them either. They missed it over and over again. People missed it the whole way through, even when they saw the miracles. So don't put your hope in something that you think you need to see. Put your hope in the one who came to save you. Even though you can't see him, he can still work in you now. Because he's not just gone from this place. He's not just God imminent in this idea that he's everywhere to know your thoughts and deeds. But he is God present with you because he came to save you and he wants to be with you and never be apart from you ever again. And when you have been deprived of that your whole life and you come to know him, it changes everything when you meet him. That's what we call his manifest presence, his real presence, experiential presence with you. Not just some cognitive thing, but his real presence Look at verse 10. It says, He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, the Jewish people. His own people did not receive him. But to all, listen, this is the good news. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, not believing in self, not believing in our abilities, not believing in someone else's ability to do something for us for eternity, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Rebels. Sinners, traitors for what we were created to be, and now he can call us children, brothers and sisters with our older brother, Jesus, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's to point out that it's all to his glory, not to mine. Not because I made a choice, can I look down upon somebody else and say, oh, well, if you just make this choice, it'll be all right. You need to just wise up. That's not how it works. You are dead in your trespasses until God makes you alive. Not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God for his glory alone. That's why it's so great that he would do that for us when we have been rebellious against him. And verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt, we use in the Old Testament for tabernacled. He spent time with us. 
walked with us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We see it all the way from Genesis in the early parts where Adam and Eve, our ancestors, failed to live out what God set forth them to do and be. Even when he was coming down at that point in the sense of relationally and saying, we can't be together anymore, you've sinned, and now I'm going to pursue you for the rest of eternity, he set forth that he would send one that would overcome. In Leviticus 26 and all the way through the rest of the Bible, we see over and over again that he says, I will be your God, you will be my people, and I will walk among you. It's a promise. And God always fulfills his promises. He always has. In Isaiah 9, we see the same thing. talked about the coming one. He says, for unto us a child is born, hundreds of years before he actually came, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In a time of tumultuous non-peace in this world, he can only bring peace to you. He's the only one that can do it. Matthew 1, we see him coming on the scene, right? The angel speaks to Joseph and says, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, quoting Isaiah, and says, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God pursuing, thousands of years later, still pursuing us and sending the son to come and get us. He says later on that when Jesus came to get us, he took the captives, captive to our sin, took took the captives captive to take them home. This is what the Christmas story is about. And Jesus, when he left to go prepare a place for us, he said this in Matthew 28. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The Father has given me all authority. And he says to us, those who believe in him, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I've commanded you. And listen to this. He says, and behold, that's like, listen to this, pay attention. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He has not left us by his spirit dwelling in us. That happens when you become a believer. The spirit turns you alive when you hear the truth about Jesus, when he makes your heart yearn for God because he's chasing after you. Then you have been made alive and the Holy Spirit dwells in you and with you. So there's nothing that can't be overcome. Whatever you're involved in, whatever you've been doing that you shouldn't be doing, God can overcome that in you and through you for his glory for your joy because he loves you that much to send his only son to die the death that you and I deserve for the things we've done so that we don't have to die that death. This is the Christmas story. Pursuing us to have us and be with us. Galatians 4, this is talked about by Paul in such a cool way. He says, but when the fullness of time had had come, when everything was perfect, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, under the law of sin, it means we need to be condemned for our sinfulness. He did that so that we might receive adoption as sons. Listen, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's like a young child saying, Daddy, Father. So you are no longer a slave, no longer a slave to your sin, no longer a slave to the choices that you thought you can't get away from, no longer a slave to the activities that you've been going back to, no longer a slave to the slop that we've been eating, aside from from eating the flesh of Christ, which is a weird way to state it, but saying dining on him, being fulfilled with him, nourished with him. You're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You see, God's manifest presence, his real presence changes everything. It changes everything. 
And as we're about to leave and go be with our families and tomorrow wake up with our kids or our grandkids or maybe apart from them, but talking with them and rejoicing for God giving them to us, I want you to walk away thinking about a few of the ways in which God changes everything for us. Like, for instance, it means now that you should recenter your gatherings around God's presence with you. Change all of it. How would you act or speak and live differently when you gather with your friends and with your family if God was right there in your midst? Because he is, if you're in Christ. How would it change? Would you acknowledge him? Would you speak well of him? Would you, would you make sure that he's at the center since he is at the center of the universe? Would you make sure that he is the one receiving the glory and not you for the present you picked out, right? Would you make sure that he is that if you knew, if you recognize that he's there in our midst? Because he is. Or how about recentering your traditions? How about recentering your traditions around God's pursuit of us so that he could be with us? Traditions are good. Most of the time, traditions are good things. But what if we tweaked them to recognize that the whole world, all of creation, all of history has been about God coming to save us so he could be with us? And what if we changed our traditions so that we could be recognizing that? And during the traditions we have, as far as giving gifts and saying the things we say around the table, whatever you might do, that you would recenter those to also include the biggest and greatest story of the universe which is the story of God pursuing us to the point of sending us Jesus, not just to be born, but also to die for us on the cross. Or what if we recentered our relationships around God actually being present in your midst in that relationship? It's hard to love some people in our families, right? Or Baptists. Amen? Amen? It's really hard. Some people aren't very lovable. Maybe you're one of the unlovables. You may even know it. But how would you live differently if you recognize that God was wanting to work in and through you. Remember Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. I can't get offended if I'm dead. I can't be bitter towards someone if I'm dead and it's Christ that lives in me, not me living anymore. We can't be upset if, if, if it's actually not me who's getting offended, but somebody else who's being mad because I'm just being trying to be Jesus in the midst. We can't get offended if we're dead. We can't be mad if we're dead. It's Christ that lives in us. Let us die every day to self so that God can live in us and through us for his glory. And we will find great joy in living for his glory. The life we live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself up for us. It'll change everything. His manifest, his real presence changes everything. It'll no longer be me, 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 but it'll be Christ in me. It's easier to swallow somebody being a jerk when you recognize they were just a jerk to Jesus and not you. And God's already forgiven them because he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Right? How would it change your relationships? Or even lastly, how about if we recentered our life around God's manifest presence with us, his pursuit of us, even to the point of sending Jesus to die for us? What would it look like if you reoriented everything in your life around that? How would you make your decisions differently? How will you make your decisions tomorrow, tonight, differently? How would you view and respond to daily interruptions, to the flow you have set for tomorrow? And somebody jacks that up. Maybe that's because God wants you to do something different than you had planned. What about how it would change how you see and respond to the annoying or weird family member you're going to be around tomorrow? Right? How would it change how you see and respond to the rude, bitter, or mean person or people in your life? 
if you recognize God's with you and he wants to use you right now to speak through you the good news about Jesus and to show grace and love and kindness. Because no matter whatever else you think is important, and it can very well be very important, the greatest and most important thing is that 100 years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is your relationship with Jesus, whether you have one or not. Because that determines everything else that matters after that. So how is this Christmas going to be spent? You know, when we're made new by God because we meet Jesus, at the point of our first coming to faith, God changes everything in that moment. We don't get the full effect until later on. It starts happening, though, but he changes everything. So let me ask this question to you to ponder as we go home. How has he changed you already? And what if we pondered that a little bit and gave him glory and praise? Maybe he hasn't changed you, and that might indicate you need to come to the Lord today. How's he working in you to change you right now? What's he been knocking at your heart with saying, stop that, don't do that anymore, or start doing this thing? What's he been working in you? How's he wanting to work through you this Christmas as you join him in the greatest work ever begun, which is giving people Jesus so they can be with him forever and he can be with them as their God? Or maybe what would it look like if you began to fully live in the truth that God has come to be with us and now lives in us and is continually endeavoring to work through us. Listen, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of favor for you. If you've heard this truth a million times, but it's never been a part of the change in you that you know you need, today's the day to turn to Jesus and give your life to him. Today's the day to begin the first real Christmas for you ever. The first real life-changing moment. And then you can be the change, as we like to say in our culture, because you take Jesus into places where he might never have been otherwise if you had not taken him. So let today be the day. This is the story of Christmas. Let us join the story and reorient our entire lives, starting right now in the greatest rescue mission of all time. Let us reorient, for Emmanuel has come, God with us, and he's coming back again to take us home. For even Jesus said in Revelation, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord, come. We light this Advent candle, all of these, partially, but especially the white one, the Christ candle, because we are celebrating the fact that 2,000 years ago, he came to be with us, and one day soon, he's coming again to take us to be with him forever. This is the Christmas story. And how would it change our lives if everything reoriented around the fact that God wants to be really with us? and work in us, and work through us this Christmas. Let us be that light of the gospel as we go forth today. Father, we need you to work in us because we cannot do this. But Lord, you can and you have done so much by sending us Jesus. Would you now work in us to help us reorient everything tonight, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives around that truth because it is worth it. Your son, Jesus, is worth it. He's worth more than all of creation and he alone can make our lives different and change lives and bring people from death to life. Lord, work in us that we might give you glory that you deserve, that your son, Jesus, might be made famous in our own lives, in our own homes this week. And Lord, that he would receive all the fame. And Lord, that we would just be filled with joy as we recognize that we are walking in the life you created us for originally because you just want to be with us. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.